It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, November 18th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Hundreds of California farmers are currently on the other side of the country, lobbying for a bill that would allow undocumented farm workers to become U.S. citizens. More ahead on the California Report. Every Thanksgiving, Grass Valley Farm Animal Sanctuary, Animal Place, hosts a Thank the Turkey event. KVMR's Felton Pruitt finds out just what exactly that entails. We'll hear from intern news producer Julia Jem, who speaks with Shelby McNamara, Development Director of Interfaith Food Ministry. Julia delves into KVMR's partnership with IFM to help mitigate food insecurity this holiday season. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Hundreds of California farm workers and growers are rallying in Washington this week. They're supporting a bipartisan bill that would create a pathway to citizenship for the nation's undocumented farm workers. KVPR's Joshua Yeager reports. Farmworker Marty Elston has never been to the Capitol before. The Delano teenager is there with her parents to urge lawmakers to pass the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. The Elstons harvest fruits and vegetables in the Central Valley, helping to feed the nation's families. But Madi's parents are undocumented and haven't been able to visit their own family in Mexico in decades. They're, um, I don't say, like, scared, knowing that if they go back home, they won't be able to come back. The proposed legislation would create a new legal status that would allow certain farm workers to apply for citizenship after eight years of agricultural work. United Farm Workers supports the bill. Here's spokesman Antonio De Loera. We believe this lame duck session of Congress is really our best chance and also our last chance to, to get some sort of legal status for farm workers uh, through Congress. The bill faces opposition from some Republicans who say the border should be secured before immigration reform is discussed. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager in Fresno. Academic workers continue to strike across UC campuses today. Their work stoppage could stretch into the Thanksgiving holiday and beyond, likely impacting finals. Reporter Laura Fitzgerald introduces us to a postdoc who's been on the picket line all week. Strikers aren't just on the big UCs we've all heard about. Head a mile uphill from Berkeley's campus, and you'll find picketers at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. Rajiv Ramanujan Prabhakar is a postdoc studying climate change at the lab. He's originally from Chennai, India, and arrived in Berkeley in November 2020. It was a challenging time, also for <laughs> pandemic and given the high cost of living. Prabhakar says everyone on this picket line conducts critical research. He's working on ways to turn sunlight into fuel, to cut down on carbon emissions. We are seeing the effects of climate change in real time because we see so many natural disasters happening and, it, and the time to act is right now. So I thought, OK, what would, the, what would be the best way that I could contribute? Despite this groundbreaking research, he says he makes just over $4,000 a month. And like most postdoc workers, over half of that goes towards his rent. Just rent. Prabhakar says it's ironic that many of his colleagues have little choice but to live miles and miles away from the lab or Berkeley's campus because rent is cheaper. Then they have to drive all the way. When you're driving, you're always, uh, you have to burn a lot of fossil fuels, which you don't want to do that. We, don't, we want a, a clean future. So 
rent, climate change, everything <laughs> is there. It's, it's all in the same issue. For this reason, Prabhakar says the union is asking for subsidized public transit in addition to increased wages to reduce rent burden, amongst other things. After four days on the picket line, Prabhakar says that meaningful progress has yet to be made. But he's prepared to strike until he and his colleagues get a fair contract. There is a little bit of pain in my legs because we are on a slope at beginning. But besides that, <laughs> the energy, the mental energy is still there. On the bright side, this crowd of strikers has an incredible view overlooking the entire San Francisco Bay. For The California Report, I'm Laura Fitzgerald in Berkeley. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine, This week, they check in on immigrant detainees who say they were retaliated against for waging a labor strike at the two facilities where they're held. As KQED's Farida Javala Romero explains, members of Congress who requested immigration authorities investigate are still awaiting a response. In September, San Jose Congresswoman So Lofgren, U.S. Senator Alex Padilla, and about a dozen other California Congress members asked federal immigration officials to review complaints of abusive and retaliatory behavior towards detainees at two for-profit facilities around Bakersfield. Two months later, the Department of Homeland Security and Immigration and Customs Enforcement have not yet answered, according to Lovegren's office. DHS declined to comment, and an ICE spokeswoman would only say they'll respond through official channels. Immigrant advocates say more than 90 detainees are striking at the Mesa Verde and Golden State Annex detention centers, which are operated by the private prison company The Geo Group. The protesters are demanding California's minimum wage for jobs like folding laundry, scrubbing toilets, even working as barbers, instead of the $1 a day they're paid. I stand up against the unfair treatment. Uh, It's like the slavery rate of $1 a day. That's Mohammed Musa from Egypt. He says GEO staffers held him in solitary confinement for more than 40 days for supporting the strike. Meanwhile, Pedro Figueroa says conditions are getting worse and guards are frisking detainees with more frequent and invasive pat-downs. It's a constant uh, invasion of our privacy, you know. We're not prisoners. We should not be treated as prisoners. ICE holds people not to serve a criminal sentence, but to make sure they show up in court while they fight deportation, so their detention is not supposed to be punitive. A GEO spokesman says they follow all federal standards and that they're committed to ensuring a safe and humane environment at their facilities. To hear more from Farida Javala Romero about the labor strike inside ICE detention, tune in to the California Report magazine. Listen on your public radio station or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. 
And that's the California Report for Friday, November 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Jim Bennett, and Seal Moeller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai, Izzy Bloom, Juan Carlos Lara, and Holly McDeed. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening. In local news, Ubinet.com reports that the Nevada County Superior Court has concluded that Rob Tribble does not meet the qualifications required by law to serve as auditor-controller and annulled his election to that office. Tribble beat current assistant auditor-controller Gina Will in the June 7th auditor-controller race by almost 3,000 votes, but Will questioned whether Tribble met the required qualifications to hold the office. If Tribble doesn't appeal the ruling, the Nevada County Board of Supervisors can then appoint a qualified person or ask the current auditor-controller to stay on until another election is held. In water news, according to CalMatters, on Thursday, the California Coastal Commission approved the construction of a desalination plant in the Monterey County city of Marina. The commission's divided 8-2 vote came after 13 hours of debate at a Salinas public hearing, packed with several hundred people. Many of the 375 who signed up to speak opposed the project, some in tears. The decision pits environmental justice concerns and ecological impacts against the precarious water supply of the Monterey Peninsula, which does not receive imported water and relies instead on overpumped groundwater, the overtaxed Carmel River, and highly treated wastewater. Parts of the Monterey Peninsula have been under a moratorium for new water connections for more than 10 years. California American Water, the nation's largest publicly traded water and wastewater company, plans to build the plant to pump ocean water, desalinate it, and provide drinking water to 100,000 people on the peninsula. Commissioners approved the plant, first proposed nine years ago, along with a long list of conditions aimed at limiting the harm to dunes and wetlands, groundwater stores, and local communities. Supporters of the desalination project include Governor Gavin Newsom, state water agencies, and local businesses, with hotels and inns in the region writing letters of support, and some saying it would ease housing shortages in the region. The plant would produce about 4.8 million gallons of water per day when it first begins operating, with the possibility of increasing production later. Although California American Water hopes to have it operating by the end of 2027, the company must still obtain an array of local, state, and federal permits and resolve a court battle over groundwater rights before construction can begin. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service, for those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 35. It's windy this evening with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Saturday, sunny with a high near 58. Saturday evenings, mostly clear with a low around 31. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 47. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 10. Saturday, sunny with a high near 40. Saturday night is mostly clear with a low around 12. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 47. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 37. Expect gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. Saturday, sunny with a high near 62. Areas of frost Saturday night, otherwise mostly clear with a low around 33. Sunday, widespread frost before 9 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 62. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
KVMR's Felton Pruitt talks turkey with Animal Place Program Director Kathy Lee. The 600-acre sanctuary for farmed animals was founded in 1989 and is a permanent home to hundreds of cows, goats, pigs, and turkeys. Up ahead, Felton discovers why their annual Thank the Turkey event will be virtual once again this year. We're talking with Kathy Lee. She's the program director for Animal Place, which is out on McCourtney Road, uh, just outside of Grass Valley. And we're going to be talking about Thank the Turkeys. What in the world is Thank the Turkeys, Kathy Lee? Thanks so much for having me. So um, Thank the Turkeys is an annual event that we do here at Animal Place. We are a sanctuary for farmed animals. We have about 400 animals living in sanctuary with us here, including a handful of turkeys. And every year for Thanksgiving, about 46 million turkeys are killed just in this country and just for Thanksgiving. So instead of promoting that tradition of eating turkey, we are helping folks change their tradition about what they serve for that holiday. So we like to thank our turkeys every year around this time by serving them and inviting people to join us. So that's what Thank the Turkeys is. Now, this used to be a live event, but you've had to go virtual over the last couple of years. Yeah, so this is the 12th year for it, and I think this is our third year going virtual. So we went virtual the last two years because of COVID, like everybody else. (laughs) And then this year, we were hoping to be back in person, but um, with the avian influenza that has been killing millions and millions of birds across the country, we just couldn't take the risk of um, bringing folks in with our turkeys this year because all of our turkeys are on what we call flock down. So we are holding it again virtual. Explain to folks why you can't have the public come in in person to do this and the risk of the avian influenza. Sure. So avian influenza is spread mostly through the the poop of wild birds as they're migrating, mostly waterfowl. And the mortality rate is incredibly high. So if one of our birds gets infected by the bird flu, then all of our birds would most likely be killed. So we want to be incredibly safe with our birds because they mean so much to us. And because of that, we sanitize our our boots every time we go into the barns to interact with the birds, to care for them, to feed them. And we also have really thickly woven shade cloth um, in their outdoor areas to protect them as birds are flying over their coop. I was talking with you about the fact that I live on a lake and I walk around it and there's all sorts of ducks and, and geese and stuff, but I also have chickens. But I change my shoes when I go out to feed the chickens. So hopefully that's helping uh, me not spread the the avian flu into my chicken coop. Yeah, I'm sure that that helps a great deal. So just being really cognizant of what you're wearing when you're, you know, walking around the lake and maybe interacting with some wild birds versus when you're interacting with your your backyard birds. Because, yeah, we definitely want to protect our birds right now. Um, The avian influenza is getting worse and worse right now during the winter season. So we're hoping that next year we'll be able to be live with our Thank the Turkeys event. So if folks want to watch it online, how can they watch Thank the Turkeys from Animal Place? 
it's actually going to be this Saturday, November 19th from 3.30 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can get all signed up at thanktheturkeys.org. And the event will feature, the main event is us feeding our turkeys their feast, which is pre-recorded. We just did it the other day. And I can tell you that it is just adorable and hilarious to watch seeing their hesitation at first because it was definitely not their their normal activity for the day. So seeing their hesitation and not quite understanding and then realizing that it's for them and watching them get so excited and diving into their mashed sweet potatoes and their pumpkins and their lentils and their fresh cut fruit. It's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary to watch. Um, and it also is going to feature some staff favorite plant-based recipes that you could make for your family and friends. And we have some how-to videos that are like short little reels that we show and then talk about them. And then we also are going to learn some amazing turkey facts from our director of animal care, Hannah Bynes. And so lots going on in that about an hour and a half. Um, we have some live, some pre-recorded. And so everybody can join me, thanktheturkeys.org. And that's happening uh, Saturday. This Saturday, November 19th from 3.30 to 5, yes. All right. Give the website one more time. Thanktheturkeys.org. We've been talking with Kathy Lee, the program director from Animal Place. Happy Thanksgiving to all your turkeys. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. This Black Friday, KVMR is partnering with local businesses and organizations by ensuring each donation made to our community radio station does triple good. For the first 150 donations made to KVMR, Grass Valley Grocery Outlet will donate a bag of groceries to Interfaith Food Ministry to feed hungry people, and Incredible Pets will donate five pounds of pet food to feed hungry pets. KVMR's Julia Jem spoke with Shelby McNamara, Development Director of Interfaith Food Ministry to discuss the organization and ask how they'll be working with KVMR this Black Friday. How would you describe Interfaith Food Ministry and its mission to someone who's unfamiliar with it? Our mission is feeding families and fueling hope. We, we um, handle all of Western Nevada County. We serve about 10,000 unique individuals and families throughout the year. Do you have a rough estimate on how many people you currently provide with support? I'll give you an example. Last month, we went through 18,000, we served 18,750 bags of food to our clients. Um, We average a little, just about a thousand clients a week that come through here. Many of them are um, seniors, there's veterans, we serve homeless, and families of anywhere from two to eight. Walk me through the process of how IFM functions on a regular basis and also how it will be working with KVMR during the Black Friday event. We serve our clients four days a week. We serve Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. And we've just started doing Saturdays from 10 until 12 p.m. Anybody with no discrimination um, can come to IFM. All we need is a driver's license and a proof of residency in the county of Nevada. It can be a utility bill, a lease. Um, people come in, we greet them with a smile. They're allowed to choose some of the, there's food choices they get to choose. And, uh, you know, they'll leave here with four to six bags of food. 
And they can come weekly also. So to clarify, for each donation that KVMR receives, Grocery Outlet and Incredible Pets will both be making donations to IFM, correct? Yes, that's one of the wonderful things about our organization. We are able now to give dog and cat food to families that need it too. And let's face it, dogs and cats are as important to our families as our children are. Um, During that flight... Black Friday, we're going to really be pushing this and urge people to go to Grocery Outlet and Incredible Pets. They're wonderful organizations, and we so appreciate them. We could not survive without our grocery stores and our uh, contributors. And finally, what would your message be to any family struggling with food insecurity who may be listening right now? Come and see us. We'll take care of you. Uh, Nobody needs to feel the hurt of hunger in Nevada County. That's our newscast for this Friday, November 18th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Hospice of the Foothills, Western Nevada County's nonprofit hospice dedicated to providing compassionate end-of-life support for patients and families since 1979. Hospiceofthefoothills.org and MEC Builds. Nevada County Roofing Contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley, mecbuilds.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.